Al-Bayan Radio presents a brief explanation of the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi presented by Farhan bin Rafi' Ahmed. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna alhamdulillah na'hamaduhu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'ghfiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina min sayyati a'malina man yahdihi Allah falamudillalah wa man yudlil falantajida lahum waliyan murshida وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله الأحد القهار وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون Indeed all thanks and praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We seek his help, assistance and guidance in all things He whom Allah tabarak wa ta'ala guides There is no misguidance for him And he whom Allah tabarak wa ta'ala leads astray There is no guidance for and permission of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala alone and I bear witness and testify that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib al-Hashim al-Qurashi was the final messenger and prophet sent to all of mankind. O oh, you who believe, fear Allah as he deserves to be feared. And do not die except in a state of Islam. Do not die except that you are Muslims. Rabbi shrahli sadri wa yassirli amri wa ahlil uqtatam min lisani yafqahu qawli. Alhamdulillah, this is lesson 60. And today we take <coughs> hadith 39. Alhamdulillah, there's not many a hadith to go before we finish this noble work. And this hadith is narrated by Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma. Imam al-Nawi rahimahullah states, and Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, qala, qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, inna allaha tajawaza li an ummati al-khata'a wal-nisyana wa mastukrihu alayhi. Hadithun hasan, rawahu ibn Majah wal-bayhaqi wa ghayrahuma. Imam Nawi rahimahullah states, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with him and his father, reported that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has stated, indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has for my sake pardoned the mistakes and forgetfulness of my community, my nation, and for what they have done under force or duress. Imam al-Nawi rahimahullah continues and he says this hadith is sound, hadithun hasan, related by Ibn Majah and Bayhaqi, Bayhaqi and others. Now this hadith, even though Imam Nawi rahimahullah has stated that it is sound, it is hasan, the more correct opinion is that it is da'if. This hadith is not authentic, especially the main chains of narration. However, there is difference of opinion on this. There are some who state that when you bring all of them together, they make a hadith sound. However, in essence, they are all da'if or very weak. Imam Ahmad rahimahullah states about this hadith that it is mursal and he states about another chain of narration that it is mursal, a chain that has a deficiency which is weak. Abu Hatim al-Razi rahimahullah, al-Imam al-Hafid al-Mutqin, he says it's a hadith that's munkarah, that it has some inkar, some deficiency in it, as if it was a forgery. Uh, Ibn Rajab rahimahullah states, uh, the other lines of transmission are also mursal, and some have stated that it is a statement of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, rather than being a statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and Imam Ahmad rahimahullah has stated this. Now, this is one issue. The other issue is Imam al-Nawi rahimahullah has stated وَغَيْرَهُمَا and others like them, giving the impression that it is others that are on the same caliber as them. Now, Shaykh ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah has stated that it would, be, it, would be, it would have been better 
to have stated wadunahuma and those not like them, yani beneath them, because these are two great imams, Imam Bayhaqi, Imam Namaja rahimahullah. Yani these are two great imams of hadith. So if you say wa yani it sounds as if others like him, Imam Tirmidhi, Abi Dawood is, is in it. However, this is not the case. So Shaykh Ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah, he took this as a point of يعني, concern and he had stated it would, be, have, it would have been better to have stated wadunahuma uh, or not give the impression that they were on the same caliber, the people who, has, who have collected this hadith. Now, this hadith, although it is da'if, and if we say the best scenario is that when you get all of them together, then it becomes sound because you're bringing all of them together. Now they strengthen one another and they become sound. However, if we say that they were da'if, does this mean that the meaning of this hadith is lost? Because this hadith is a very important hadith because this is يعني, almost like a very strong evidence that's found in nearly every single fiqh book that you can find, regardless of the madhab. Now, if you look at the actual hadith, the matan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has for my nation, for my nation, looked over or يعني, has forgiven al khata wa nisyan. That which they have done mistakenly and that which they have done uh, out of forgetfulness. And the third, and that which they have done under force of duress. Now this is three pillars that we need to find dalil for to say that yes, okay, this hadith is da'if. But we can say that the meaning of this hadith is found in other places in the Quran and the Sunnah. So that's what we have to find. Now for the first two, al-nisyan, uh, forgetfulness and mistakes, Al-Khata Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says In Surah Al-Baqarah What the Imam read today Rabbana la tu'akhidna In nasina Aw akhta'na Aw Allah Aw our Lord Do not take us into account For that which we Are forgetful over And for that which we make mistakes in so over here, this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stating the dua of the believers. And in a hadith that has some weakness, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala replied to the companions who stated this and says, Qad fa'alt. I have done this. I will not take you into account for these two. Right? So for this dua that you have made. Another uh, verse that shows this in, in Surah Ahzab verse 5. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَلَيْسَ عَلَيْكُمْ جُنَاحٌ فِيمَا أَخْطَأْتُمْ بِهِ وَلَكِمَّا تَعَمَّدَتْ قُلُوبُكُمْ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says There is no sin on you for that which you have made mistakes on If you make an honest mistake, an honest mistake An actual mistake Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not going to sin you for this what is he looking at? Is that which you did deliberately. That which you did with your actual intention. So, this is يعني, some of the adilla that state that this asal of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looking over and pardoning that which you do as a mistake and that which you do out of forgetfulness. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying in the Quran that this is the case. And we know in the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that even if someone makes a mistake in doing a judgment, when a judge makes a ruling, 
The Prophet ﷺ states that when a judge makes a ruling and if he is correct, then he gets two rewards. And if he is mistaken, if he makes a mistake, he gets one reward. He still gets a reward, but this is for a judge who does it on knowledge and he makes a mistake on his knowledge. Not that someone talks without knowledge and يعني, brings things out of his pocket making fatwa here and left and right. That's not what this hadith is about. It's about an actual judge who makes a mistake. For this issue here shows that there is some sort of pardoning that happens, even sometimes a reward for your mistakes. Right? Another example for this is the one who eats during Ramadan, drinks during Ramadan, and the Prophet has stated that the angels have fed you. The angels have fed you. This is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes He gives that to some people. So sometimes there's a benefit in your mistakes, sometimes there's a benefit in your forgetfulness. Now, for duress and being forced, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مَن كَفَرَ بِاللَّهِ مِن بَعْدِ إِيمَانِهِ إِلَّا مَن أُكْرِهِ إِلَّا مَن أُكْرِهَ وَقَلْبُهُ مُطْمَئِنٌّ بِالْإِيمَانِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says <coughs> that whoever disbelieves in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after his faith in him except those who were under duress and were forced. And his heart is still, what? Mutma'in. It's still at peace, still at comfort, still full with iman. So over here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making a special exclusion for those who had to state things of kufr or statements of disbelief because they were forced and under duress. Now the story of this, as most of you already know, is the story of Ammar ibn Yasir. The story of the great companion Ammar radiallahu anhu. And the story is that Ammar was captured because he was of the very weak of Mecca, the early Muslims. And his mother, Sumayyah, and his father, Yasir, were taken and were persecuted at the hands of the greatest tyrant of this nation, the Fir'aun of this nation, Abu Jahl. Abu Jahl Close one uh, And what happened The narration state Is We have kids here So we can't go into detail But The form of punishment Was excruciating And what يعني, It states was that Ammar was made to watch Both his mother And his father Being Punished And tortured To the point With Sumayyah the first martyr of Islam, she had a spear put through her. She was impaled from the bottom up. It wasn't that they put the spear through her, through her face, no. Now imagine watching your mother being killed in this way, tortured in this way, and all they wanted was for her to renounce her religion and she refused. She refused. Ammar was killed, uh, Yasir was killed also out of this torture. And the Prophet ﷺ, when he heard the news of the family of Yasir, he gave them the glad tidings of Jannah, that they are the first martyrs of this religion. Khalas, they have nothing else other than Jannah. Ammar was taken. Now them, يعني, they could be old, you can say that يعني, they didn't really 
يعني, care that much But they felt sorry for Yasir at a point <laughs> He just killed his parents And he had to watch that So they said you know what We don't want you to do anything We just want you to say something of kufr Just say some form of disbelief Say evil words about Muhammad And say good about our Lord About our Lords Our Gods And after witnessing his parents dying His mother being impaled By the tyrant of this nation By the pharaoh of this nation And his father being killed as well He was on brink point And he understood that if he didn't Then this is what's going to happen to him too So What they were asking Wasn't that much It was a statement that he had to say And so He uttered words Against Prophet Muhammad And He praised their gods And then he came to the Prophet And he was He was done Firstly His parents Killed Tortured Murdered and so he's lost his parents Then what he lost them for He feels like he betrayed them They didn't say any statements of kufr They held on to their faith So then he feels like he's disobeyed his parents He's يعني, betrayed them And then betrayed what they died for And betrayed what he is upon He's just in a mess and the Prophet ﷺ in a hadith that has weakness He says to him Imam Ahmad or I think it might be Ibn Rajab Says that all of these narrations they strengthen one another He says that if it had happened again do the same thing They come to you again do the same thing Why? It's because his heart was in the right place He just wanted to say it because he was under duress And this is going to save his life But the scholars from this verse here, this is the third evidence to state that what you are forced to say and what you say under duress, forced to say and under duress, not يعني, lightly, there's conditions, inshallah, we'll get to that. But these are conditions in which you can say certain يعني, statements of disbelief. Now, these are three of the adilla that we have from the Quran about this. Hadith. So even though the hadith if we say is weak We still have the same evidences which prove the exact same thing However the hadith if we say that it is sound Then we see that this is from the blessings of this nation That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has done this for Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam That this is from the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala From the grace and the bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala For an Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam And then it is something that is specific to this nation So the people of the past, they didn't have this They were taken account for their mistakes For their forgetfulness And even that which they had done under duress So this is from the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to this nation And to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Something that was specific to this nation Now, if we look closely to it We have to go through the terms al-khata What's al-khata? Is when you intend something And at the point of doing something Something else happens Al-khata, a mistake, is that for instance, you want to throw this book to the brother And instead of throwing it to the brother, it falls onto the side and it يعني, falls into the pond And it, يعني, all the ink comes off and you've lost the good book right? So it's a mistake One nisyan 
is that you know you want to do something and you know يعني, you have the knowledge but at the point of doing it you forget at the point of يعني, the actual thing like for instance someone forgets to do wudu and starts to pray it's a mistake something that he forgot or for instance you're busy with doing something and you forget something that you had to do right you forgot to eat very rare with you boys now if we look at uh, <laughs> and that which you are done under duress and force, that's insha'Allah, that's clear. Is that which you are done? Now, the conditions of doing something out of jahl, for instance. So someone says, Ya Sheikh, uh, I ate today, and today, say, for argument's sake, was the first day of Ramadan. Now, what's his reasoning? He goes, I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't know we were not supposed to eat today. I just had a, I just had a mad burger coming in. Right? I, just, I saw it. Maccas, golden arches. Wow, the smell. You know the smell when you drive past, Sheikh? Uh, the smell was there and it got to me. And I didn't know we're not supposed to eat. So now we look at the case. Is this person a new Muslim? What's the go? What's happening? What's the reasoning? And if he is a new Muslim or has lived with Juhal all his life, then we say you have to make up the day. Right? You have to fast from now, but you have to make up the day. But uh, is he sinful now? He didn't know. But he still has to make it up. Now, someone comes to the Prophet and he says, Ya Rasulullah, I had relations with my wife during Ramadan. Now the Prophet ﷺ didn't ask him, did you, did you know that there's a punishment for that? Did you know that you now have to do certain things? Did you know you have to feed? Did you know you have to free yourself? Did you know the ahkam now? He didn't ask this. He goes, upon you is one, two, and three. So you can't say that I am a jahil and that excuses you from what comes next. Is that clear? So you can't say, for instance, I didn't know that I had to pay zakat. You have to pay the zakat for all the years that you missed. You have to pay it, whether you like it or not. You have to pay zakat. You can't say that I was unknowing. So for instance, someone steals something and says, Sheikh, I swear I didn't know I had to give it back. I used all the money. He still has to give it back. Clear? Clear. Now, something that is important is over here is when someone does something, it actually has to be a mistake and it actually has to be and nisyan, something that he's actually forgetting. And you can't say, why didn't you pray Habibi and say, Sheikh, I forgot. But you're actually busy. You were busy, you didn't forget. And you try to hide behind, I forgot. Then you are held accountable. You are held accountable for it. But if you were genuinely forgetful, the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ states that if someone forgets the prayer, then he has to pray when? As soon as he remembers. As soon as he remembers, he has to pray. So for instance, let's just say argument's sake, hypothetically speaking, right? And I don't think this happens, but you were up from tahajjud and you started to read your Quran and you're in it and you forgot to pray Fajr. Right? You forgot, <laughs> you forgot to pray Fajr. There's a guy cracking up here. It's not making my life easier. Now, you forgot to pray Fajr. Now, can you say, like, genuinely, I don't think that happens. But if you say, Sheikh, I forgot, then you have to pray as soon as you remember. Even if it's a time where it's a prohibited time to pray. 
you have to make up the prayer as soon as you remember. That is upon you obligatory. Now, something that is important about that which is done under duress and that which is done under force. Firstly, is that it's an actual form of force. Like someone in authority to do something. So for instance, a few years ago, Chinese government came and were forcing Muslims of the Xinjiang, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help them and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ease their affairs. They were forcing them to break their fasts. Right? During Ramadan. So over here, they were forced and duress. Are they going to be held accountable for them breaking their fast? No. They will not be held accountable for breaking their fast. So the punishment over here for them was either you'll be imprisoned or we'll kill you, or you break your fast right now. So over here, who's telling you that? A tyrant, a tyrant organization or a rulership or a kingdom, or whatever it is, is forcing you to do something. So over here you have no choice. So you're actually under force and duress. Another person comes and says that if you do not do this, we'll kill you. If you do not do this, we'll kill you. Now we have to look at two things. The first is if the person says, if you don't kill him, we will kill you. So they come to a person. And they say, if you don't do this, if you don't kill that person, then we will kill you. Over here we say, you are not allowed to kill that person and you are going to die. <laughs> it's not allowed for you to kill someone else and take his right on life. What makes your life worth more than his? So over here, it doesn't matter if you're forced to do that, you will be held accountable because then you will be held accountable for murder in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now from this example, we understand that there is a difference between حقوق العباد and حقوق الله. The rights of the ibad, the rights of the believers, and the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if you are made to do something against the people, whether you are forgetful, or whether you are mistaken, or whether you are forced, you still sometimes are held accountable. For instance, you have sheep, and you go to your neighbor's farm, and they start eating the grass unlawfully. It's not for them. They're not allowed to do it. They start eating from their hay. He's like, oh, I forgot them out last night. Forgot to bring them out. You're responsible for damages. If you harm someone, even if you killed someone, manslaughter in Islam, it still has a punishment. You didn't intend to kill him, you still have to pay a certain amount. So when it comes to the rights of the other people, then you still have to hold their rights in account. However, will you be held accountable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for murder in that case? No, you will not. Because you didn't intend to kill the person. You didn't intend for your sheep to eat there. Anjad. But they did it. But does that mean you're scot-free? You walk off and khalas, nothing happened? No, I didn't mean it. No. You have to pay your dues. Especially when it comes to other people. Especially when it comes to the rights of others. So this is not a matter that you take lightly. So that's the first issue when it comes to being forced. That the person who's forcing you actually has a right. So if a little kid comes up to you and says, oh, either you hit him or I hit you. Right? You slap the kid. <laughs> you tell the kid to go. Right? The kid doesn't have any actual weight to do anything to you. So over here, you look at this and you say, this kid doesn't really have anything. So you don't have to, you're not forced over here. And the third is, 
that it's an actual type of harm that will befall you. Death, yani cutting off your limbs, something that a Muslim cannot bear. Something that you cannot bear. That, for instance, if you don't do this, then we're going to do this to you. So it's actually something that of actual pain, not like, oh, we'll take five bucks off you and they're asking you to hit another Muslim. Right? So over here, we have to look at all of these issues very, very closely, inshallah. Now, what else is important is we take certain examples, inshallah, as mentioned by, some of them are mentioned by Shaykh Ibn Uthaymin, rahimahullah. Now someone who is in prayer, and he's praying in his home, and someone rings the, rings the bell, and he says, Tfaddal, come in, doors open, and he's in prayer. Mishap, mistake, slip up. He's not saying it, he doesn't think that he can say it while he's praying. I know this sounds يعني, common sense, but we have to go through it. So over here, it's a mistake, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not punish him for talking in the prayer. There's a companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I think it was Muawiyah where one person sneezed, and he said, Yarhamakallah to the person who sneezed, and they're in prayer, and يعني, a whole commotion happened during the prayer. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, after the prayer, explained to him that it's not a place for you to talk or for you to do anything other than doing the things, the actions of the prayer itself. So over here, he يعني, advised him to not do it. But he never told him to repeat his prayer. His prayer wasn't null and void. So it's important to understand that, yes, you made a mistake, khalas, habibi, no worries. But you have to understand that there are sometimes consequences, but sometimes there are not. So the Prophet ﷺ, for instance, for the person who came and he wasn't praying properly. Remember, you know the hadith of the person who prayed quickly? And he came to the Prophet and he says, the Prophet ﷺ turned him away and says, go and pray because you haven't prayed. Go back and pray because you haven't prayed. Go back and pray three times. And then he comes to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and says, "Teach me how to pray, because I don't know how to pray." But he did one time, يعني, when something was missing, even though he was ignorant, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam turned him away because there are certain things that you have to make up your prayer if they're wajib. Right. So, for instance, if you don't have wudu and you pray, when you remember, you have to go and make wudu and pray again because your prayer is null and void. Your prayer is not accepted, so you have to make up that prayer. Another example is, for instance, in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, they ate one time on a cloudy day before sunset. They thought the sun had set because it was dark. After that, the sun comes out, and then they're like, oh wait, <laughs> it's, it's, actually, it's actually not sun, it's not Maghrib yet. But the Prophet ﷺ didn't tell them to repeat the thing. He just said, khalas, you thought that it was done. Stop eating until... The sun sets. Now, so inshallah, I think that's a bit clear. There's more examples, but يعني, I think you guys get the gist, inshallah. But what is important is that even though this hadith is not uh, authentic, we still have the rulings of this hadith and they are accepted through the adillah of the Quran. So that which you do out of forgetfulness and that which you do out of being mistaken and that which you do out of duress and force Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not punish you for it Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not hold you accountable for it because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants things to be easy for you however with that being said we don't run amok and pretend with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we were forgetful or mistaken and inshallah that is clear barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu ala nabina muhammad 
وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم وجزاكم الله خيرا